A horizon is a beautiful picture from our creator. It's also symbolic of hopes, dreams, and a future. But to see a horizon, we must lift our eyes and look up, out, and beyond ourselves. This past two years of COVID has had a devastating effect on individuals, families, churches, and our country. As a result, many people are without hope, are filled with anxiety, and are unable to see a horizon because circumstances of life has caused them to look down or around or within themselves. As believers at Grace Point, we must refocus our attention. We must recast our vision and lift our eyes to see the horizon that God has presented us. In scripture, it says in Psalms, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In Isaiah, it says, lift up your eyes on high and behold who has created all these things. And Jesus said in Luke, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So what is our recast vision for the influence of our church for the next five years? I believe God is calling us to reach and disciple 2,000 people within the next five years. That involves expanding our discipleship base beyond our Sunday morning worship services. That includes inviting and praying for our friends and neighbors to come to our church. That includes expanding the financial base of Grace Point by at least 150 new givers. That also includes updating our older facility so that we can have engaging environments and more opportunities to reach more children, teenagers, and adults. As we look forward with anticipation of Christ's return, we must continue working while we're waiting, working to advance His kingdom. And that requires us at Grace Point Church to lift up our eyes and look up, out, and beyond ourselves to the horizon that God has before us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. I'm excited for what God has on the horizon for Grace Point Church. Well, I absolutely wholeheartedly love this church. I love you. I love who serve, those of you who give. And I love what kind of what Nash says is that God is using broken people to give him praise. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? I'm just so thankful for that. Also, I'm so thankful today is another demonstration of how God uses teenagers in our church. Whether they're singing up here today, learning our sound back in the back, running all the lights today. And one of our directors that directs all the tech that helps us in this room and online, one of our uh, several directors is a teenager. And Maddox, you just turned 15. Happy birthday. <clears throat> I love that. Absolutely love that. Well, last, <clears throat> last week we launched this whole horizon. We talked about the initiative about 
okay, God, we want to we reach and disciple 2,000 people in the next five years. And within the, those five years, we have a two-year horizon initiative challenging all of us to grow spiritually, to invite consistently, and to give generously. So of this, of this Horizon um, initiative, uh, we have these booklets. Hopefully you brought yours back. If not, you hopefully, if you're new, you got a new one. If you're online, we mailed out dozens and dozens around the country. Those of you who call Grace Point uh, Church. Um, <clears throat> but if you still haven't, yours hasn't arrived, the whole booklet is on our website. Find the Horizon link and you can, you can see that there. Um, so last week we launched this of putting first things first, making sure God is our top priority. Whenever we don't have God as our top priority, it just, life is harder um, and we don't have as many resources because, because God pulls his blessing back. Last year, the challenge was, uh, last week it was this, that God desires to bless you. He wants to bless you and your family. Uh, your priorities help or hinder what God wants to do in your life. So that was a challenge last week. If you weren't able to be with us, um, watch that online. I know also that there are a number of people in Kitsap County that, that are uh, fighting this, this latest variant. And some of you are home right now. Please get better. And hopefully you can uh, uh, stay engaged with us here online today. Turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, if you would. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite epistles in the New Testament Chapters 1 and chapters 2 really describe the immeasurable, immeasurable blessings that God gives to us. Chapter 1, he calls us, you know, and he chooses us and he adopts us into his family. Chapter 2 is the a wonderful grace of God that is God gives us the gift of grace for salvation. We can't earn salvation. We don't deserve salvation. It is a gift of grace by put it, placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And then chapter 3 is then what, what God wants to do in and through believers. If you're taking uh, notes today, uh, even in our booklets or by yourself, you can, um, here's a central point for today. It's this, is that the Lord is able to do powerful things in and through you that you cannot imagine. The Lord Almighty is able really to, to do powerful things in your life and through your life and things that you can't even imagine. He has that power. He often just waits for permission to use us for his glory. Now, the, the end of chapter 3 is the theme passage for this Horizon Initiative. It, it is verse 20, if you join me there. Uh, Paul says this, now to him, Jesus, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, um, <clears throat> in October, I was invited to be interviewed um, on a national podcast podcast. Uh, regarding my book, Secret Baggage. And so 
I had never been interviewed on a national podcast before, so I got all my notes together and broke down the chapters in Cliff Notes version because I don't have my book memorized. And I'm like, I don't know where he's going. I don't know what he's going to ask question. And Dr. Joe Martin, after he introduced me and thanked me for coming, he just threw a question that I, I had no idea. He says, okay, Barry, before we get started, what's your favorite Bible verse or Bible passage and why? And just it rolled out of me. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, out of him who is able to do it immeasurably more than I can ask and imagine, and I can ask and imagine a lot, but according to his power that is at work in me, right? But for his glory in the church and the next generation. And the reason why it just flowed out of me, not because I had memorized it, you know, back in a kid, you know, when I was in Sunday school, whatever, is this is the prayer that I've been pouring out to God, claiming and, and, and asking God for Grace Point Church for the last 16 years as your lead pastor. That's why it comes, comes, just flows right out. I bleed this, I pray this, I cry, I've, I've prayed in tears. God, I keep asking and I keep imagining, when are you gonna show up? And I see that now and then it just keeps me going. So you gotta understand if you're new to Bible study, Context, context, context. You can take these two verses quickly out of context. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little Bible study. And we're going to go back in the context to understand that, that these two verses are the conclusion of a prayer that Paul is praying. A passionate prayer. So we're going to go back and do Bible study before we keep going with, with what God is challenging us today with this Horizon Initiative. So let's look at verse 14, begins a prayer, and he says, verse 14, he says this, <clears throat> for this reason, that means what I've already talked about in chapters 1 and 2, for all the immeasurable gifts and blessings of God for believers, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Now, there's chapter 1, there's a powerful prayer, the longest run-on sentence in the Bible. But in this prayer, he's kneeling. There's a difference. There's praying, just, and I pray when I drive, I don't kneel when I drive. But it's like, I'm talking to God, the relationship with God. There's times where it's a flare prayer, help, or a longer prayer. But then there are times when I kneel. And this is one of those prayers that Paul says, I'm praying this because I'm really serious. I am so serious about God because I want this so bad for you, believers. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family on, in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray, here's his prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that, I'm praying this, praying for this power, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Dwell in your hearts means that Jesus is at home in you through faith. Now, I'm going to explain in just a minute. This is not a salvation faith. Jesus, I don't want to go to hell. Jesus, I want your salvation. This is not what he's talking about. I'll explain in just a moment. But I'm praying that out of his glorious riches that you, I'm praying on my knees, I want this so bad for you, that you will receive power when Jesus is at home in your heart through your faith. 
And I pray, second part of his prayer, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have, here it is again, power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp, means to fully understand, to fully comprehend, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, this love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge, meaning this is not head knowledge. This goes beyond knowing intellectually that God loves me. He goes, I am praying that you will uh, really be able to have this power to grasp, fully understand how much God loves you. And this love that surpasses knowledge, that. If Jesus would answer my prayer, here's the result. That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. This is one serious prayer. And this is what I'm praying for you. If you're new to the faith, I mean, you're a baby, baby Christian. Woohoo! We're going to give you some spiritual bottles and, and burp you and change your diapers now and then. Uh, and, and we want you to grow. We want you to learn. We don't want you to play church. I hate church. Well, let me say that again. <clears throat> I hate just showing up and playing church. I want it to be real. And if you've been walking with Jesus for 60 years, I want you to keep growing in your faith. So we're going to break this down. You've got to understand that the Apostle Paul is a formulaic writer. He is a formulaic writer. I want this and I want this so that you'll have that. See the formula? I'm praying this and I'm praying this so that if, so that if you have both of these, you will have this right here. So let's break it down. I am on my knees. I am so passionate to God. I want out of his glorious riches for you to experience power in your life. So here's what I'm praying. That your faith is lived out in your life. It is not, not uh, yeah, Jesus died in my heart. Jesus died on the cross. I accepted him in my heart. He's God. And, but you're not, it's not active in your life. This is a faith that you live out all the time. And it's a faith because when you accepted Christ into your life, he gives you the Holy Spirit. But it's like Jesus and the Holy Spirit, or really God is at home. He abides in your heart. He is comfortable in your life. Why? Because of your active faith. Not your knowledge about Jesus or even God's word. He's saying you live out your faith every day. And if you live out your faith every day, you will experience the power of God in your life because you're going to see God show up like you haven't seen God show up. If you just occasionally come to church once every three months, read the Bible a little bit, you won't experience the power. But if you have an active faith, this is the faith that Jesus is at the wheel of your life and you are in the backseat. Taking a little theology from Carrie Underwood. Okay? But most Christians... Jesus is in the back seat. No, I got this, and I'm going to take the wheel of my life. I'm going to steer where I want to go. I'm going to do and go what I want to do and go. And Jesus, you know, just keep me safe, and if I get in trouble, help. No, no, no. This faith is Jesus is at the wheel of your life, and you're in the back seat, and you are putting your faith every day into Jesus. Okay, we got this big decision. Jesus, what are we going to do? Okay, Jesus, I don't know where to turn. Oh, you want to go left? Okay, let's go left. 
This is a Jesus is at the wheel of my life. I tell you, how mighty is I can pray this for you. And I'm like, I want you to experience this so bad because when you do, you will experience the power that comes from the glorious riches of Jesus. I want this so bad for you. And I'm also praying this. Here's the second part of the prayer. That you grasp how much God loves you. That you won't just know, yeah, Jesus loves me. This I know, Jesus loves me. That's all the Bible tells me. So, no, no, no. He says, this is, a, this, is a, this is a love that surpasses knowledge. You do not know intellectually. You know experientially. Because of your faith, your active faith, you know experientially that my God loves me. And because he loves me, he provides for my needs. And because he loves me, that's why he keeps forgiving me of my sins when I'm an idiot. He, because he loves me, I don't get it. How high, how wide, deep, wide. But I fully understand and I'm experiencing the love of Christ in my life. That's why I can keep putting faith in him. And even when I don't understand, and even when God goes quiet, even though when God goes quiet, he's never absent. And that's when my faith kicks in. Okay, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to, you want us to give to this initiative to expand the kingdom of God, you know, here at Grace Point Church. I don't know how to do it, but I'm placing my faith in Jesus. And I know how much you love me. And you will never leave me nor forsake me. You will never abandon me because I experienced this. So that, these two prayers, here's what Paul says, this, is what, this will be the result. You will be filled with the fullness of God. You will be filled. That, that gives them a picture like it, it's just overflowing. Excuse my cold. And I'm praying I need more power. Let's talk about the, being filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That, that Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life to the full. And most Christians don't know what that means. They're not, they don't experience that because they're not placing their faith, active faith, and they don't, really, they don't really believe God loves them. But here's what happens if you are experiencing <laughs> your life is filled with the fullness of God. Here's what happens. Is our insecurities diminish. We're going to live by faith, not by fear. And my insecurity is like, oh, does God love me? No, he loves me. I see him working in my life. I see him do things when I step out in faith. He, he's, he, he's there and he meets my needs and then some. My, our insecurities diminish. I, I, can, I can live by faith, not by fear. And another example of what happens when we are living in, with the fullness of God is this, is that we are not full of ourselves. See, we cannot be full of ourselves and experience the fullness of God in our life. And being full of ourselves is we're selfish. We are all selfish. We, we're just, it just comes naturally to us. But when we are walking by faith, understand how much God loves us, and that, that we are then filled with the fullness of God, we're going to be so filled with the fullness of God that we're not thinking about ourselves. We're thinking, that ah, that's why I'm going to pray for my coworker. I want them to experience the love of God. I want them to experience the grace of God. That's why I'm praying for my neighbor. That God, when I, when I pray, when I, when I keep inviting my neighbor, God, would you draw them here so they can hear about Jesus See, we're not full of ourselves. We're full of the, the fullness of God. 
which allows us, number three is this, is that then we are able to look up because we are looking up and look out and beyond ourselves. And we look around this Kitsap County and go, man, I am so excited for Hobby Lobby to come to Kitsap County. But our, our county, believe it or not, doesn't need a, a Hobby Lobby. It needs more Jesus. And people experience the grace of God. Now, I got to alter my budget when Hobby Lobby opens. I'm just telling you right now. And I have to live by more faith because of Hobby Lobby. It just changes everything. But if we're not filled with the fullness of God, we're not going to be lived by faith. We're going to be living by fear. We're going to have insecurities. We're going to go, I don't know how God's going to provide, so I'm just not, I'm not going to test it. I'm not going to try it because what if God doesn't come through? We're going to live a life of paranoia. We're going, to, we're going to then search for love in all the wrong places. We're going to search for security in all the wrong places because we don't have the fullness of God in our life. See how all this fits together? If we have this, we have power because of a real faith, active it's like, it's like a lifestyle faith. And we have power because of how much God loves us and we have the fullness of God. That all sets up verse 20. It says, now, because of all this, now to Christ, he is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Because it's coming from his power. I got no power. I was flying home yesterday and I was thinking about all this. I'm like, I've got no power in myself, God, to do any of this. But you have the power. And I want you to have the glory in our church and into the next generation. Amen and amen. See how it all fits together? And the Lord is able, the Lord is able to do what we're asking God to do. And you don't, and don't do jack for me. I don't count. You do what God calls you to do. You step out in faith. Oh, I'm scared. That's what happens. And then it's like, but look at God. Like Kevin was talking about, oh my goodness, look. I didn't crash and burn. My faith parachute opened. And God can do powerful things in you and through you more than you can imagine. But you've got to be walking by faith and fully grasping the love of God and being filled with the fullness of God and then he can do his part. So this horizon initiative, horizon looking up out and beyond ourselves, that, that requires faith. But I specifically put this word as part of this two-year challenge of the five years. Initiative, one of my most favorite words as a parent Right, can't you shake your head? As a youth pastor, here's the definition of initiative. I, I, I just, this is so cool. Doing what needs to be done without delay. Okay, girls, this is your bathroom upstairs. Here's the expectation. High expectations with clear instructions equal quality. It's my, my dad formula. I, I, I want you to clean your bathroom. I don't want to have to ask you about it. I don't want to remind you about it. I don't want your mom nagging you about it. I want you to take initiative. And as they matured, I'll say, oh, it's clean. There is a God. <laughs> and when they would take initiative, we celebrated. Not just that, it was just everything. Knowing what, no, I, I'm just going to do what I know what needs to be done without delay. 
As a youth pastor, we had all these buses coming in after camps or big, big events. And we trained our teenagers to, instead of, look at that trash on the floor. Somebody's going to pick that up. Give me my suitcase and my sleeping bag. No, we trained them. Wait a second. I'll pick that up. I'll sweep. I haven't had teenagers fighting over who gets to sweep out the bus. You swept it out last time. I want it. And I'm like, initiative. So this Horizon initiative is what does God want you to do? Not what Barry wants you to do. What does God want you to do? How does God want you to grow? Who does God want you to pray for and invite? You know, what does God want you, how, how does God want you to give generously that requires faith? And once you find out what God wants you to do, then you do it without being told, reminded, guilt tripped, which I, I, I won't do. But you do it without delay. You do it without delay. If you have your book, turn to, book, turn to page nine, to page nine. Walk you quickly through this horizon initiative, the, heart, the goals that we have. The first goal is if this is your church, whether you're here in person or watching online, this is the church that, that God is blessing you, spiritually feeding you, challenging you, but this is the church God has called you to, that you will take initiative to be engaged. You'll be take initiative. Okay, what's my part? What's my part? Not just go, well, somebody will, no, no, no. God, what, what do you want me to do? Initiative. Um, next week I'm going to talk about the invite prayer wall, which should be ready to go in the lobby. I'll talk about that. Start asking God, who do you want me to pray for and invite to church? Uh, and then number over here, the growth opportunities. We're providing growth opportunities. Pastor Kevin's already working on new fusion classes. Fusion is where, where theology and reality collide together. And you actually get to use your faith. And it's going to tell you how you can do that. And you have to take initiative. Trust us. We put lots of, we put lots of food on the table. Then it's like, well, there's nothing to eat here. No, no, you just have to actually sit under the table and eat. How are you going to grow? Uh, a parent, grandparents. We just lined up a national ministry for grandparents to come to our church in March. How we can disciple our children. You know, how can we invest even if they live far away? That's, an, that's a growth opportunity. How can I look out and beyond myself? How can I love my, team, my, my grandchildren and, 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 and all the res cool resources they will provide for us to not just feed them with sugar, go back to mommy. That's a waste of time. It's fun now and then too, but it's a, that's not a, a purpose. That's a growth opportunity. Sign up. Be there. And then in the financial part of this initiative, we're praying for 150 new faithful givers. Not tippers, not emotionally give. Like, oh, I just feel like giving today. Here's 20, Jesus. No, it's like, no, God, you provide me a salary. You provide me income on this day, on this day, on a consistent basis. You, or you consistently provide me babysitting opportunities, whatever. And every time you supply me resources, I am going to faithfully give back to you. And we're praying for 150 new faithful givers. And then the big one is the financially part is the, okay, God, we're, we, need to, we need to upgrade our older facility. By the way, I found Pastor DeGraff's 2002 or 3 challenge to our church. Whenever we build a new auditorium, make sure that we upgrade our older facilities. And we need to do that. We're way past due, right, Pastor Bob? <laughs> way past due. Okay, so God, uh, what do you want me, uh, me to do? What do you want my family to do? 
When you find out what God wants you to do, you take initiative and you just do it. And it's going to require faith, require faith. Now, there is a commitment card I'm going to show you here. Pastor Kevin has a, a longer video on our Horizon link, more details. But begin praying. Don't make a commitment now. Not the time for it. God, do you want me and my family to be one of these 150 new people to faithfully give? If that's what God wants you to do, take initiative to do it. You can set up reoccurring giving that helps you with the discipline of that. Above and beyond our normal giving, okay, God, out of, this is the cash gifts or the salary, this is your budget, this is predictable income, out of this, God, what do you want me to rearrange so that your first priority and so that we're going we're gonna to above and beyond, above and beyond our regular giving, we're going to give to this campaign, all right, this initiative. This is kind of out of predictable income. Then there's stored resources. Okay, God, I got stuff in storage. I got an extra vehicle that I don't really use anymore. I, I got property that's never sold. And, you know, I, I got, I got a, a collection of baseball cards that's worth things, but it just collects dust. God, whatever you have given me, because all good gifts come from God. Out of all the resources, what do you want me to sell to advance your kingdom? I'm not going to tell you because I have no idea what you got. But God has given all of us things, opportunities to, we're going to cash those in and give it, to, give it as God directs. God directs that, then do what God is calling you to do. Our rich history, it is rich as a church. We're going to show you a little video of how people who are in heaven now, how their faith and love and living in the fullness of God, they took initiative to follow God and they left a legacy that still continues today. Watch this video. My dad, as a teenager, attended Grace Point Church. It was called Silverville Bible Church back then. And in his early 20s, Grace Point was his sending church, sending him to the mission field. Mom and dad demonstrated a lot of initiative. My dad made, just after middle school, a decision to leave home and attend a Christian high school about 800 miles from home with a friend, then continued on to college, during which time he felt a call from God to go to the mission field. Still single, came back to Grace Point, sent out to Ecuador as a 22-year-old. That took some leaving, some change, a lot of unknowns, and a lot of faith. My mom, on the other hand, was from Manitoba, left her community as a pioneer missionary. Nobody in her community had ever done that before. And she presumed that she was leaving the possibility of a husband and marriage and family to go be a pioneer missionary to the jungles of Ecuador. Well, she went with dad there. And that's another way that a legacy was left. Dad never dated. He was convinced that when the right woman came along, God would show him who it was. When my dad got the call to missions, he believed it was a lifelong call. And a lot of adversity came. Mom and dad lost two little babies on the mission field who went to be with Jesus through illness. It, they didn't quit. They figured this was all in the, the deal. God would be faithful through this too, and he was. He used those deaths in remarkable ways to actually uh, endear my mom to the Indian women who all knew infant death. But they trusted God. I know dad in later years 
was frustrated by missionaries who would come, say they had a calling, and when it got tough, they would pack up and head home or back to the U.S. Mom and Dad didn't do that. They figured it was obedience because God was trustworthy. I think that obedience is a firm tenet of my life, knowing that there's no other place that you find true meaning and joy other than knowing what you believe to be what it is God wants you to do. I think they trusted God for material things in ways that we don't. I know my parents and many of the, or the last few old timers of our church live very frugal lifestyles. And in an effort to not only provide for the future, but to be able to give to other missionaries and to their church and to the growth of, and the spreading of God's word. And that lifestyle and the old timers is, is absent today for, mo for the most part. And that, that's a huge legacy. I think in our culture, it's a, the goal is on accomplishing goals, being successful. And even if we do remarkable things during our lifetime, I think the legacy that's left is not those high points, but the steady thread of faith that you have in unshakable God, the truth of his word, and how that plays out in your everyday life, whether it's a success or a failure or what seems to be a failure. So trusting God's word to be true, no matter what happens. For those in our past who have already gone on to heaven, if we could have a conversation, tell me about your faith, tell me about what did God call you to do? And you did it? I think of Anton Lynn, the circuit rider, it means he rode a horse, and he rode into Kitsap County in 1904. The, the U.S. Navy was threatening to pull out of, out of here, no, no shipyard, because the secretary, whoever he was called, visited here and saw, I think, 11 bars within 100 feet of the shipyard entrance. So the, our, you know, just imagine how different our county would be if, if the, they pulled the, the Navy out. Well, this, this Anton Lynn rode in his, on his horse into Kitsap County and felt compelled by God to plant a church. That's how we got started. He heard from God. And God told him to do something, and he did it without delay. We've been blessed with a number of pastors that are already in heaven. They stayed for a period of time, did what God called them to do. They stepped out of faith. They sacrificed. They gave. Not knowing what the future would hold for our church. I, I had a privilege of knowing Stan and Marion. They were just amazing people of faith. Passionate for God's word. And passionate to see people meet, know, and follow Jesus. If you had a conversation with them, you would say, hey, did, did your faith and taking initiative to, to serve God and how that impact, you know, our church? What do you, how do you think it impacted? I think of Mo and Artis Smith that I knew when I first came here that helped in our church and served in our church and sacrificed in our church and helped start Island Lake Camp with others from our church. Uh, Jay and Carol Hendricks, I mean, just amazing people who just, they sacrificed so much because they loved God and they loved our church. And I believe if we would have a conversation with the Standard Marians and, and those people and pastors and Anton Lynn who started our church, 
when you ask him, how, how do you think God used your faith to bless people that you never were alive to see? I believe they would say, you know what? God was able to do more than we ever asked or imagined for his glory. Glory to God. So if Jesus doesn't come back, what will people say about our, our time here? Our faith, our sacrifice, hearing from God and taking initiative. What would they say? I, I saw this picture online a couple weeks ago, so I've added it to it because people have a misconception about what a church is. Here's what a church is not. The church is not a cruise ship where a handful of people serve everyone else who, <laughs> who's relaxing. I just come to church, sit down, and just go home. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. That's cruise ship mentality. And, for, and I see you out there. Those of us, you're kind of in line. You serve and you give and you sacrifice and you, and you financially you know, do things and whatever. You're like, I'm exhausted. No, that, this is not church. Next picture is this. No, here's what church is. Church is a battleship where it's all hands on deck and everyone serves the mission. Can I get an amen if you believe that? <clears throat> so if God has called you here for such a time as this, what does he want you to do? Ask him and then do it by faith. By faith. If it's not a stretch of faith, um, it's, it's not really going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Here's your homework. On page 13, it says horizon next steps. Here's your homework for you as an individual or a couple or as a family. Okay, God, we're going to ask you, first step is pray. God, what do you want us to do, me to do? You know, and then reflect. Just go through the whole thing and then keep going through the horizon journey. This is a resource where when you start financially giving by faith, to God on a consistent basis and then above and beyond that. It is a journey. And you're gonna, I want you to find out what stage of this journey are you. Are you just kind of starting? Just go through this journey and then say, okay, God, what, where do I land on this? And then I want you to pray for the next couple of weeks. God, you've called me here. What do you want me to do? Make it clear. And if you get nervous, is probably from God saying, oh, that's going to require faith. That's going to require sacrifice. Whatever it is, take the initiative to obey. And just watch God work. Would you pray with me, God? Thank you for those who have come before us and how you've used them. And we stand on their shoulders. We stand on their faith. And God, we don't know when you're going to come back, but those children, teenagers, uh, Navy personnel, couples, families that are going to come to our church years from now. What are they going to stand on? How can we bless those beyond ourselves, even beyond our life, lifetime? Lord, I pray that you would make clear what you want your people to do. And then, Lord, give them the faith to take the initiative to do it by faith. So God, we can't do anything without you, so we yield to you. Show us what you want. Give us the faith to go at it. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said.
Amen. If you're new to Bible study, amen means so be it. Like, like yeah, I agree. If you um, don't have one of these booklets, please, they're at the, at the exits. If you're online, you could go find yours, uh, find, uh, find it online. But if you're our guest today, uh, welcome to our church. Just kind of giving you a heartbeat, passion where we're going. But if you're a guest, please go to guest services. We have a gift waiting for you. Thank you for being here. Thank all of you for being here. And by the way, last one last thing. It's really important. I need a prayer. I need some prayer. You need to pray for my marriage. Because my 49ers are playing her Cowboys this afternoon. I just, I just, we just need some prayer. Sorry. God bless you. God bless you. That's not, that's sinful. Um, God bless. Have a great day. Ugh. <clears throat>